Welcome to Broadband Conversations, the podcast where I get to talk to some amazing women from across the technology, innovation, and media industries. You get to hear what they're working on, what's on their minds, and what they think about the future of our digital lives. I'm Jessica Rosenworcel, and I'm a commissioner at the Federal Communications Commission. And today I am thrilled to be interviewing one of the great champions of equality, opportunity, and diversity in technology and media. And that's New York Congresswoman Yvette Clark. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Commissioner. So let's start at the very beginning. I hope you can share with our listeners how you got to Congress, how you got to where you are right now. Well, you know, it, it's uh, being, I guess, raised in a community in, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, that was very sor- service-oriented. Um, I was surrounded, in, including in my own household, by uh, people who really thrived uh, in public service, uh, starting with my own mom, who was, you know, an organizer in the community. Uh, she's an immigrant to the United States. Her and my father are both immigrants to the United States. So their way of navigating the system for my brother and I was to really become acquainted with it, know how policies were developed, and uh, make sure that the, the healthiest climate possible uh, existed for shaping policy and inclusion and a whole host of other things that just led me uh, to to the a sort of curious nature of well, how does all of this work? And and so I I embarked on uh, I guess a career in public service, starting at the community based level, uh, working with uh, tenant organizing, and then and then eventually running for office myself uh, because quite frankly I had not really thought that I was going to go into this direction, but being engaged with my mom, uh, who uh, was a public servant herself, was an elected official, um, you know, the opportunity sort of presented itself, and I knew that I had been prepared all of my life uh, to, to serve others. And, and so um, I, I decided to run for office, and I ran uh, for the New York City Council, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, I, was, I was elected to the New York City Council, and I just love serving people. Uh, I also love, uh, you know, making sure that policies are put in, pl- in place to enhance and, and promote, um, you know, the, the upward mobility of, of people. Uh, when you come from an immigrant family, that, that focus on being able to make sure that one generation is able to do uh, uh, better than the generations that preceded it uh, is is really ingrained in us. So it's 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 something that I really have a passion for, which then led me to run uh, for the United States Congress because there was a rare uh, retirement uh, that happened during my lifetime of a congressman in in the constituency in, in which I currently serve, and that was going to be an opportunity that I felt where I could make a national difference using the experiences that I've had in, in, in Brooklyn, New York, serving people at, at the municipal level and, and, and taking those concerns, those issues to a, 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 the, the ultimate uh, governance body 
to make a difference across this country through those experiences. It's something that uh, I could never have planned for, but but I'm really gratified that I, uh, I, I took the leap of faith. You know, one of the things that I'm not sure everyone appreciates is that you're from the district that gave us also Shirley Chisholm, right? Absolutely. And, you know, she's a dynamo, the first African-American woman to be in Congress, to run for president. And she made this comment that I think about every day. It's that quote where she says, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. So when I think about your district, I always think about her and the power of those words. And anyway, I wanted you to talk a little bit about your district and what the history means to you, given that you have the privilege of now serving that same district in Congress? Well, you know, this district is where I was born and raised. So uh, it's meaningful on multiple levels. Uh, I was the beneficiary of the work of Shirley Chisholm, um, it, 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 both politically, legislatively, and, and otherwise, because uh, we knew what it was to see a black woman actually serve in Congress. Um, and, and, and to be a part of uh, making that possible. In addition to that, when, when I think about uh, when you have that level of activism in the local level, it, it creates opportunities. Uh, and, and you get to actually witness and participate uh, firsthand. So there is no doubt in my mind that you know, Shirley Chisholm's being elected to both the State Assembly and the Congress made it possible for my mother to believe that she could run for the New York City Council being foreign-born and uh, become the first foreign-born woman elected to the New York City Council. Um, it, it, it was just a climate that was created by uh, having uh, such a force of nature as your congressperson. In addition to that, there there were many people, in addition to Shirley Chisholm, who were, she inspired and were, in, and, and, and were, in, and that she was inspired by. And, and all of that was taking place in central Brooklyn uh, during my formative years and, and, and growing up in this community. So uh, I think the climate was created, one that I absorbed. Um, and and took note of and uh, really participated in uh, just right. growing up in the district that I now represent. So uh, it, it, it's, she was highly and re- remains highly influential as an icon uh, to women like me who are passionate about the people that they represent. I have a very diverse constituency, but the thing about it is is that it's my community. Uh, and growing up here, I think uniquely positioned me to uh, embrace all of its diversity, all of its manifestation. You know, uh, because I, I grew up in a very diverse what, situation. Right. What I love is that and, uh-huh. her history is part of your history. But how about Absolutely. I move you a little bit to the present? Because right now you sit on the House Energy and Commerce Committee, which is kind of a big deal because that's the committee that has a direct impact on our country's technology and media policies. So going from your district to where you sit in Washington, tell me a little bit about what your priorities are with technology and media on that powerful committee. Yes, uh, you know, the ESC committee is the oldest 
standing legislative committee in the House. So I'm extremely proud to have the opportunity to influence our country's policies. You know, uh, I believe it's imperative that we continue to discuss uh, the issues surrounding who we are as a nation and accurate portrayals of that, and and particularly in the media. And and I've uh, witnessed the fact that, you know, technology offers us um, a landscape or canvas, if you will, uh, in which to paint the picture of who we are as a nation in very authentic, authentic ways. Um, and, and it also enables us, you know, to do so much more in, in terms of how we interface with the world, um, how we uh, innovate, and then how we protect ourselves um, in, in, in innovating. Because I, I'm also a firm believer that if we don't get cybersecurity right, uh, we will create and invite uh, far more greater, far more greater challenges down the road um, than we cur- we're currently facing, and we're facing some challenges That's right now. That's true. So I know that you serve in an urban community. We talk a lot at this agency and in Washington about rural communities that are falling behind when it comes to digitization and broadband. But you've pointed out that urban communities, there are pockets that are falling behind, too. I'd love it if you could talk a little bit more about that. Sure. And that's exactly why I introduced the Broadband Deserts Act. Um, It's a piece of legislation that would amend the Communications Act uh, to direct the FCC to conduct an annual inquiry on the availability of advanced telecommunications capabilities in these broadband deserts. So my district uh, is an urban area, and we're often hearing about the challenges of making sure that we provide access to the Internet and broadband services to rural communities. They, they have oftentimes uh, been the, the most challenging. However, one of the things that I recognize serving an urban district um, is that uh, with, where there in, are pockets of poverty or there's an, 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 an impoverished population, there tends to be uh, a, a commensurate desert in terms of access to broadband. And the way that I define a broadband desert, desert is that it's a, a community in an urban area where fewer than 33% of the residents uh, have access to sufficient broadband services. You know, I see this as something that can exacerbate the digital divide if we don't address oh, it. You bet. We know that access uh, to, to broadband, access to the Internet and all of these services online make it uh, more likely that we will, uh, you know, miss an opportunity to democratize our nation, that there will be those who will be set back tremendously in terms of their uh, American dream, if you will, or accessing uh, the, the tools they need uh, to really participate uh, in, in, uh, in, in the American dream. It That's would true. be uh, really a missed opportunity for us to make sure that as we innovate and as we uh, look at ways in which 5G is deployed or, um, you know, it, it, that we are taking into account 
and finding ways to make sure that we are building out a, a an equitable um, uh, broadband infrastructure. And that's what this Broadband Deserts Act is all about. It's bringing about a consciousness and holding us accountable with data about how this will actually impact so first those you quantify that infrastructure to 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 really connect uh, its population that's that's good stuff we need to do more I think to try to understand with incredible precision where broadband is and is not in this country because we'll never come up with good solutions if we don't actually inform ourselves with really high quality data and and the important and that the data is the key because we can innovate our way into actually doing this. It's, right. it's not as though uh, there's not someone uh, right now working on how we can make this uh, possible. It's having the will to do it. Right. So you talked a little bit earlier about diversity in our media beyond just broadband, but are there any other? comparable steps or legislation or policy ideas you have to make sure that we see a diverse set of views on all of our screens? What things can we do to incentivize that and make that occur? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that uh, we have done on Capitol Hill is to establish a multicultural media caucus. I'm a co-chair of the caucus, and and so is um, Congressman Tony Cardenas of California, and uh, Congresswoman Judy Chu, also of California. And we, we thought it was important to come together to establish this caucus, which is dedicated to uh, issues related to the state of diversity and inclusion in, in, in media and telecom and tech industries. You know, we're seeking to promote multicultural media. One of the things that we believe we can do as policymakers, is be informed by the actual experiences of uh, whether it's uh, of the talent uh, or it is, uh, you know, the uh, actual building of companies, you know, whatever uh, there, wherever there may be a challenge uh, in making sure that our media is reflective of, you know, of, of our nation. Uh, in all of its manifestations and diversity, um, we, we, again, be missing another opportunity. And I think that, you know, as we uh, strengthen ourselves as a nation, it's important that recognition is given to those who are uh, creating uh, quality quality companies, quality content, and that we make that known so that they can participate uh, to the fullest extent uh, within our media and telecom landscape. And that's, that's what the caucus does, and that's what we're really excited about uh, bringing to uh, the fore in terms of uh, policy and legislation. So shine a light on the good stuff, in other words, right? Absolutely. And so you're not just the head of the Multicultural Media Caucus. I think you're also the co-chair of the Black Women and Girls Caucus. And Absolutely. you know, too often women and women of color are not at the creation or decision-making tables. So talk a little bit more about your work with that and how it relates to technology and innovation. Yes. Well, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do, uh, and I say we, I'm, I'm joined by Congresswoman 
uh, Robin Kelly of Illinois and Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey as as the co-chairs of the caucus uh, on black of black women and girls. And what we wanted to do was take a deep dive into the experiences of black women and girls in the United States and what we can do to do two things. One, uh, address the challenges that this particular cohort of Americans face on a daily basis and also celebrate uh, the accomplishments. Uh, notwithstanding the challenges, right? And and so we know that uh, the media has portrayed uh, black women uh, and, and to a, a certain extent black girls uh, in a very monolithic uh, uh, portrayal for, you know, generations. We're, we're beginning to see more diversity in that space in terms of those portrayals. And, and we think that, you know, as we change the portrayals uh, the, and, and present uh, the multitude of ways in which uh, black women and girls are contributing to society, that, uh, you know, perhaps uh, that creates an opportunity for uh, black women and girls to help shape policy that helps communities to flourish. Right. And that uh, they're able to we are able to in this society uh, add value uh, in very significant ways to the to the shaping and development of our societies. And and by extension, the communities in which we reside and uh, the opportunities that are afforded uh, black women and girls. So it's it's a really fulfilling uh, mission that this caucus has. Well, we're coming to the end, and Congresswoman, there are a few questions I'd like to ask everyone at the uh, conclusion of our conversation. And the first is going back in a wayback machine, because I'm going to ask you, what's the first thing you recall doing on the internet or online? Oh, wow. Uh, okay. I, I would have to say it, it, it was research. Um, I, I, I remember uh, serving as director of a, a, a community development organization, and it was, you know, looking at the websites of various organizations in, in the community. In early days. I think the yeah. website became like all the rage. All the rage, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so, so much more recently, what was the last thing you did on the Internet? Wow. Uh, the last thing I did on the Internet uh, was hmm, uh, track my flight. I was uh, flying between uh, Jamaica, West Indies, and the United States and uh, was looking at my timing in terms of my flight. Uh, so I think that was the last thing I did. That makes oh, good sense. No. Nope. Nope. Actually, it was reading uh, the newspapers this morning. Online, sure. Listen, both of those mm-hmm. things sound like the activities of someone in Congress, though. <laughs> right? Um, all right, final yeah. question. What do you think the future of the Internet and digital life should look like? Wow. Well, you know, I, I think that uh, the Internet of Things is, is going to take, take on more meaning uh, to more Americans, uh, 
due to the Internet and, and digital life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, uh, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, it will become a space where, um, you know, we're able to bring com- competing ideas and uh, you sort of build um, a sense of patriotism towards the innovations that come from uh, the United States, and that those innovations will come from all manner of individuals who uh, live in the United States. Um, I like it, ending on patriotism. Absolutely. Before we go, why don't you tell us where people can follow you, keep up to date with what you're doing? Sure. I, well, I, first of all, let me thank you so much, Jessica. This was a very stimulating conversation. Yeah. I had to think about some things that I don't historically uh, uh, give a whole lot of thought to because I've got so many other issues before you do. me. I know. So thank you for this reprieve. Uh, uh-huh. Folks can go to my website, haha, the mighty website. The mighty website returns.house.gov. Um, or you can visit me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at uh, at Rep. Yvette Clark, one word. Well, that sounds good. And that does it for another episode of Broadband Conversations. Thank you for being here, Congresswoman Clark, and thanks to everyone for listening. Take care.